You're listening to The Voice of Dog. This is Rob McWolf, your fellow traveler, and today's story is the first of two parts of And the Sands of the Desert Wash Over the Words by Pascal Farfel, who turned lemurs dancing in spandex to Eurodisco into an art form. Well, technically an art collage, but who's counting? This story was published in the anthology In the Light of the Dawn by the Furry Historical Fiction Society. Please enjoy, And the Sands of the Desert Wash Over the Words, by Pascal Farfel, Part 1 of 2. The racks of scrolls in Seleucia's academy library stretched as far as a Gothbys could see. It surprised him greatly that you could fill this much parchment with philosophy, mathematics, and governance. It wasn't the complete sum of all Seleucid knowledge. Religious documents were generally stored in the shrines and the temples that concerned them, the dealings of which were best left to the priests. But within this small room was great knowledge if one dared to seek it. It was Agathocles of Helicarnassus' job to do just that. His quest for knowledge was not grand. On a given day, the mouse would arrive directly from the basilica in a hymation and with his helmet under his arm. His research was performed in the express appointment of the governor himself. It was a job, which was important, as Agathocles had just lost his last one. Barely a week ago, he was heir to the governorship of Seleucia. However, when the time came, he was replaced with one deemed more suitable, the only consolation being that his replacement saw fit to keep him as an assistant. Xerxes never asked complicated questions. Just one's arduous and varied enough that Agathocles had to make the long walk through the Agora to the academy and back every time he asked for something. One such day the mouse arrived, dull-eyed and bitter, and entered the room full of scrolls. He searched and scanned the labels on them until he found what he was looking for, pulled out a long scroll, placed it on a nearby table, eased it from its case, and unrolled it. He studied it for a moment, made a few notes on some spare parchment, and rolled it back up, placed it back in its case. It was as the mouse went to return the scroll that his eye was drawn to something placed shoddily at the back of the cabinet. Parts of the library were restricted, and Agathocles was only allowed to access these by the grace of the governor, who was not to pursue personal interests or rummage on Zeuxis's time. But curiosity drew the better of him. He looked to his left and right to ensure he wasn't being watched, then reached towards the back wall, pulled out a very old piece of parchment. Judging by how rough and battered it was, it seemed nobody had tried to protect it over the years. Placed it down on the table and studied it. A map. His eyes widened as he noticed a patch, like something had been covered up. The Gothicles was definitely in violation of the governor's orders, if not also in violation of the academy's too, but he had to know. He fingered at the patch until it lifted. He glanced underneath. He tensed up. Could it be? No, but if it was... He placed the patch back down and carefully folded up the parchment, placed it back at the very rear of the cabinet, and put the other scroll in front of it. Ah, Gothocles, you return again, the silver fox smiled. Gods, Agathocles hated looking at him. 
Zeuxis bore most of the appreciable qualities of a king to be handsome, muscular, headstrong to the point of arrogance. Indeed, your honor, the mouse said reluctantly. Faking the loyalty was hard, and Agathocles' motivation to try was running low. The farmland you inquired about. When we go ahead with it, it'll give large surplus during summer, and by winter, it's still going to be sufficient to feed the entire population, even the poorest. The fox closed his eyes and scoffed. Thank you, Agathocles. Following your research, I feel this farmland is excess to the requirements of the city. The master coiled. Sir? With all respect, as it stands, we barely have enough food to feed everyone during winter. That surplus would put us in good stead to survive any attack from the east, too. I don't intend to start wars, Agatha, please, Zeuxis grunted. Perhaps you do? Mouse sighed and looked down at his feet. No, no, I don't, my lord. Good, at ease. I will have the cancellation orders for you to deliver tomorrow, along with the plans of the statue. Statue? The canine eyes burned into a Gothicles figure. Yes, a statue, he said curtly. Something that shows the lineage of Hellenic greatness. Something to remind the Parthians that Seleucia will never fall. It would have been more polite if Zeuxis had just spat at him. Cheaper, too. The Parthians? You said you didn't intend to start wars. Silver Fox waved his paw. They make noise, but their words have no consequence. Zeuxis grinned. And I said, at ease. Agathocles grunted and stared at his feet. I see that I was a poor teacher. What? Fox called. If you are such a gifted leader for Seleucia, tell me, why are you stood there while I am sat here? He grunted. Agathocles made no comment. He cleared his throat and apologized, then lowered his head, walked out of the basilica, back onto the streets. He walked back through the agora, past the Odeon, and into the public baths. While Zeus's words still rang in his ears, Agathocles' mind kept racing back to that map, what it would mean if its promise were true. Inside the baths, the mouse was quick to find the person he was looking for. Cleomenes, there you are. Agathocles walked up to a rat, dark fur, strong, powerful build. The mouse's eyes were prone to wandering when in Cleomenes' presence, particularly at the baths. Finally, you grace me with your presence. That governor does like to waste your time, doesn't he? The rat snorted. I think he finds pleasure in it, Agathocles muttered, easing out of his robe and hanging it up. Cleomenes scoffed, guiding the mouse into the hot water with him. Men have odd pleasures, don't they? He took my honor. The basilica was to be mine, Agathocles rumbled until Antiochus changed his will on his deathbed and all that after I taught his boneheaded offspring everything that he knows. Not that he seems to remember a grain of it. The mouse sat down at last on the edge of the pool. Ought that not to satisfy a man like him? Cleomenes stared deep into Agathocles' eyes. But not a man like you or I, of that I'm sure. The mouse didn't object or complain, nor refute. I found something doing one of Zeus's jobs, 
Agathocles said after submerging himself in the water. Something I don't think I was supposed to find. Is there forbidden information? The rat asked, sitting up on the side of the pool. I was of the impression from people like yourself that all information was of value for all people, that to be educated is the way of civilization. There are those who have mastered the arts of philosophy and diction who guard information they see as being of dangerous value to those not skilled enough to handle it, Gothicles explained. Cleomenes snorted and swatted the air with his hand. Producing hard men is an intense enough task as it is without attempting to master oratory and prose, too. The mouse laughed. The walls of the bass tell me you are naturally gifted in that skill, naturally gifted enough that you might not need to devote all your time to it. Go on, then. The rat snorted and sat back with a grin. This forbidden knowledge, entrusted upon a soldier of fortune and see it be wasted. The mouse gulped. I know where the hanging gardens are. Zeuxus, I have news from Susa. The silver fox looked up at one of his servants. Yes, what is it? The alliance we offered has been rejected, sir, the crocodile explained. There are concerns that their desires for allegiance instead fall with Armenia. Zeuxus scoffed. We are strong. We can weather any storm with or without the Parthian king. It will be about four days' travel from here, Cleomenes rumbled, if your theory is right. I understand that it is quite the undertaking, Agathocles said slowly. He'd had to explain this multiple times for the rat to believe him. Though, consider the honor it shall bring if we are the ones to find it. The rat scoffed. We're not exactly men to whom honor is ascribed. I hope your intent is not to be re-inherited by the Seleucid king. Agathocles' gaze sharpened. Finding the gardens of Nebuchadnezzar will be more than enough to... The king doesn't want the gardens, Agathocles. He wants... The rat gulped. Children. The pair fell quiet. The idle hubbub of chatter felt distant. Even the water seemed to hush. The mouse looked into the water, then around the baths. He stood at last, letting his fur drip upon the floor. Then I shall forego the love of the king, he said with defeat, for the gods have made it clear they deem another fate for me. The rat scoffed but felt troubled. If people know of the garden's location, then why have they never been exploited before? Cleomenes frowned. If the tales are true, then they are a place of inexhaustible bounty, limitless harvests, enough food for all the world. Zeuxus would have all the room for statues he wanted, the Parthians would have no cause to seize fertile riverbanks or rich pastures, and the poor need not starve either for war or for vanity. Agathocles shrugged. I know not, but I do know that the gods have seen fit that I learn of those secrets. At first it was for love of the king, now it's for duty of the gods, Cleomenes scoffed. When did a man such as you gain divine motivation? Perhaps it is impious, but I do remember fondly the man who was driven by more carnal interests. The mouse smiled. Who is to say that I no longer am? 
May it never be me, the rat chuckled. Why, if you were the one chosen by the gods to find the gardens, you would have no more need to worry about affairs of state. Could you not then ignore distractions such as Zeuxis, the Parthians, and the possibility of famine? If the gods mean it to be you, who is a simple man like I to question the will of the gods? The pair dried off, then got dressed. Agathocles in his white Hamatian robe, Cleomenes in a black chiton tunic. I have to drop something off at the gymnasium, the rat smiled. You're always welcome to join me. Agathocles chuckled. Always a very tempting offer, he said, leading the other out of the building. But first, I need to retrieve the map from the academy. In that case, I'll meet you at sundown, near the shrine of Aphrodite Kipois. I have a few prayers to make there. Agathocles agreed, and departed for the academy. Without the grace of the governor, he needed to be far more sneaky and cunning than before. Children of Sparta were raised and encouraged to thieve and steal, as to be more suitable as soldiers went older. Children of Helicarnassus were given no such incentive. Agathocles entered the building and kept an eye open for Castor, the librarian. The stoat was sorting through some incoming scrolls in the corner of the building. With that distraction, the mouse was able to enter the restricted area again. He kept to the walls, avoiding sight lines. If he couldn't see the stoat, the stoat couldn't see him, right? Carefully, yet without looking outwardly mischievous, he moved back across the corner of the room to where the map was hidden. Quietly, he eased the scrolls out of the rack and down onto the table behind him. One by one, carefully. There it was. Then he just had to. Agathocles, the mouse jumped. Oh, hello, Castor. That was it. He was done for. Do you have any spare parchment? The stoat asked. Agathocles blinked. Oh, of course. Mouse reached for a section of unused material near the side of the table. Prayed to Zeus that Castor wouldn't notice the secret scrap in the cabinet and simply ask for that instead. Mercifully, he handed a section of the unused part to Castor and could have sworn the stoat glanced into the cabinet, but the stoat thanked him and walked away, back across the room. Perhaps he didn't see it. Mouse didn't think twice. He picked up the hidden parchment, put it in his robe, for replacing the other scrolls. With his heart in his throat, Agathocles left the academy with the map and walked to the shrine. It was dark by the time the mouse reached the shrine of Aphrodite Kipois. Entering it, he found Cleomenes deep in prayer. It is done, the mouse said in a whisper. The rat jolted, looked around, and stood. Magnificent, he said. I apologize for interrupting your prayers, Agathocles said. You have not, Cleomenes said. He approached Agathocles and stared into his eyes. My prayer had just been answered. For a moment, the stare held, and the rat kissed the mouse firmly upon the lips, the latter taken by surprise before relaxing into it. Slipping at last from the mouse's muzzle, Cleomenes smiled. I request one final night with you before we depart. Agathocles blinked. You're sure? If we fail and we don't make it home, I want my last night to have been with you. Very well. 
At first dawn, we shall voyage out. Should we not hire some horses? Cleomenes suggested. We'll make it far quicker on horseback, and it will be easier to carry our supplies. Agothocles shook his head. It will require us to explain our mission and lead a trail back to Zeuxis. Two men alone in the desert are untraceable. That morning, the last day dawned, the pair slept little. Their bed took an ordeal, and the previous day at the bass was suitably squandered. The echoes of footsteps rung throughout Babylon. If nobody cared to hear them, or those ears were deaf to act, it would never be known. Their prayer pooled their resources, the food they had to spare, the water, the clothing, and, in Cleomenes' case, the weaponry. The hoplon strapped to the rat's arm, sword in the other hand, the helmet spun their heads. The pair departed at daybreak. Agothocles carried the map and the supplies, while Cleomenes was to use his wits and arms to try and keep the pair out of trouble. They departed through the western exit of the stone wall. This bore a road due south, one used by armies, traders, and diplomats alike. It's a route to the city of Dumetha and the Arabian wilderness. We follow this road down past the first river to south. The path heads east, we go west, Gothicles said. From there, we're on uncharted territory. We'll have to cross the second river through the water itself, but there's a mark on the map suggests it's shallow enough to wade. The rat nodded and the pair made their way along the road out of Seleucia. By the evening, the city was out of sight. The rising and falling of the land obscured the city from their gaze. Before them, the stretching road, the river and bridge in the distance, and then the great beyond. Trade caravans passed them frequently, from Susa to the east and Damatha to the south. Diplomats from Parthia and Armenia, too, though far more of them than normal. Even some of those Romans they'd heard so much about. Old farms sprang up to the left and right. These used to sell extra food to travelers. Now their owners barely had enough to feed themselves. The hope of the new farms shone bright in their eyes. Agathocles hadn't the heart to tell them that Zeuxis didn't care. Did you tell Zeuxis that you will be gone for a few days? Cleomenes asked offhand. No, he wouldn't have let me go, or would have gone himself. Demanded to see the map taken credit for it, Agathocles grunted. Such is the joy of stolen knowledge, the rat smirked. The mouse stayed perfectly still, staring at the scrap of parchment in his hand. It's not stolen, Agathocles said at last. Cleomenes grinned ear to ear. Oh, yes, I should have expected a vagueness from a politician. It was behind a series of scrolls in the library. In the publicly accessible section of the library? In the restricted section of the library. Cleomenes snorted. So it is stolen. The mouse bit his lip. Perhaps it is. The rat laughed heartily and the pair kept walking. By sunset, they'd come across the bridge. Small wooden structure with supports, down into the river to hold it up. The waning sunlight and rising moonlight reflected in the water below. People made their way back into the city to sleep or and continued along the path, far into the distance. Isn't this beautiful? Agathocles whispered. Hmm? Water in the lake, the moonlight on the plains, all of it.
the mouse continued. The rat paused and stared. I suppose so, he grunted. The mouse rolled his eyes as the two stepped onto the bridge. Of course, a son of Achilles doesn't care to appreciate the vista of the world, now does he? I can, Cleomenes protested. Perhaps I'm just not as easy to please. Perhaps. The bridge creaked underfoot, as if the gods themselves wished to test whether they truly wanted this that badly. The image of the bridge breaking flashed into Agathocles' mind. The fall into the water. The bridge held firm, and they crossed. There's a temple over there, Cleomenes said, pointing the distance. We could sleep inside. The mouse nodded and the pair continued up the road. The sun dropped below the horizon and the moon was left alone in the heavens above. Before long, the two came upon the small temple, the ruin of the small temple. The roof was gone and only a handful of pillars were left. The ones in the four corners and a few on one side remained intact. The rest lay broken and crumbling. Gods, who would do such a thing? The rat mumbled. There are those who do not believe in the gods of Mount Olympus, Agathocles grunted. And perhaps they see it as an affront to their land. Cleomenes' mouth opened to rebuke, but he fell dumbfounded, looking at the ruins. Agathocles climbed the steps and stood between the pillars and under where the roof once was. Now perhaps we should sleep here. There is no roof to fall on us. The power of the gods may still wrap itself around these pillars and and it will keep us above the desert floor. The rat grunted and nodded, joining him up on the marble. They lay down on their blankets, keeping their supplies huddled between them for safety. The night passed slowly. Sound of horses and camels on the cobbled road rattled around in their heads. The desert winds goaded them to approach and suffer the consequences. Restless, Agathocles rolled over onto his chest. As he did so, he noticed a phrase carved into the marble. The great among men reap plentiful harvest, yet thousands are left with crumbs. The mouse blinked. It was still there when he looked again. He sighed and turned away. He figured it was just graffiti and attempted to forget it. At daybreak, the elevation had kept the sand off their fur and their belongings lay as they left them bundled up between each other. We should move quickly, Agathocles said. It won't be long before Zeuxis discovered I betrayed him and will come seeking us. We can outrun any army, Cleomenes assured him. But not a horseman. The rat grunted and nodded. The argument is fair, let us walk. They gathered the belongings and left the temple, continuing down the road into the sunrise. You'll regret wearing a Hamatian before long, my friend, Cleomenes smirked. Protects me from the sand and wind a lot more than your chiton will, the mouse grinned. But you'll struggle to run in it for sure. You anticipate needing to run? The rat snorted. You did live a pretty life in that palace, didn't you? Out here in the plains, anything can come for anyone. Some have said that quick-footedness is even more valuable than strength. When Agathocles gave Cleomenes a puzzled look, the rat laughed loudly and slapped Agathocles on the back with his large hand. I tried that scholarly research you mentioned. I'm beginning to see its appeal. The mouse answered the rat by pointing the distance, 
There is the turn to the east. Now we must head west. The wind swirled, a dare to enter the abyss. The pair stared into the plains, the uncharted lands. They stood silent in revelry of what they were about to do, the foolishness of it all. Agathocles took the first step off the path onto the short grass and hard, dry land. The earth did not swallow him up. The winds wafted back, satisfied to let them trespass. Onward, Agathocles said at last, and with haste. They could come for us at any time. Into the plains they walked. Their progress was slower here. The ground was hard and unforgiving against their feet. The short grass snagged at their sandals and rubbed dry on their ankles. It refused to cushion their stride. The bumps and undulations made a steady march difficult. There was no rhythm, only persistence. As they moved further and further into the wasteland, the grassland became more and more sandy. Signs of civilization dried up like the very earth beneath them. As the crested one rise, Cleomenes stopped to turn back and look at where they'd come from, only to see no road at all. In the far distance, something caught the rat's eye. Was it smoke? Or was it just the heat? The rat was wise to the mirage and disregarded what his eyes told. We are alone, he uttered. He turned to look at the mouse. We are alone, Agathocles repeated with a grin. Perhaps at last you and I can have what we've been looking for. Calamines sighed and gave a weak smile. Perhaps. The mouse closed the distance and kissed the rat again. But we must keep moving lest we become disoriented. The rat nodded and the pair resumed their stride deep into the beyond, the dunes, the sand, the dry grass alone under the all-seeing eye of the sun. Zeuxis seeks you. The pair jumped. Cleomenes drew his sword. Before them, a Bedouin, a wolf wrapped in robes holding a shield and scimitar, astride a camel. All three stood their ground. But I do not seek him. Agathocles said firmly. If you wish to claim a bounty, then let the sands bear our blood. I do not, the wolf replied. Why would I do my colonizer's bidding? The body language of the two rodents softened, but the rat remained defensive. So why do you come? The wolf laughed. Must I explain everything in such detail? He snorted. Seleucia burns. His remaining men seek you. Whatever you seek, find it quickly and hope it may grant you asylum. The rodents stood firm. Well, Seleucia is burning. Where will they take me? The Bedouin laughed again. Surely you don't think they'd take you, he snorted. Your death is their prize, Agathocles. He sheathed his scimitar. But it is not my prize. My prize is the joy of watching Alexander's empire fall, he smirked. Good luck. He grabbed the reins of his camel and departed at a great speed into the desert. The two rats stood alone as all evidence of the Bedouin's presence was reduced to the memory and the ringing of his words. Do you believe him? Cleomenes asked. I would believe anything that suggested Zeuxis was a fool. Come, we must continue. Agathocles said, continuing on up the road at a run. The rat followed. This was the first of two parts of 
and the sands of the desert wash over the words by Pascal Farfel. Read for you by Rob McWolf, Werewolf Hitchhiker. Tune in next time to find out how and if Cleomenes and Agathocles find what they are looking for in the desert wilderness. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.